You're listening to the Pursuit of Christ podcast, where we are passionate about developing a deeper relationship with Jesus. The Pursuit of Christ podcast is a ministry of Arise Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. If you would like to contact us or have questions about our podcast, we can be reached via email at info at arisebaptistchurch.org. Now here's James Collard with today's challenge from Scripture. Good morning, and thank you so much for joining us on this inaugural episode of the Pursuit of Christ podcast. My name is James Collard, and I am the Associate Pastor of Administration at Arise Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. And it's my privilege this morning to be able to open the Word of God and share it with you. This morning, we're going to be looking at a primer on servant leadership from 2 Samuel chapter 23, verses 13 through 17. But before we jump into the text of Scripture, let's open in a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to study your word. I pray that you'll help us to not just be hearers of it, but to be doers of it and to take the things that we hear and that we learn and that you challenge us with and to take them and apply them to our lives. We ask that you'll help us this morning and give us a good time in your word together. We ask this in your name. Amen. I'd like to take just a second and set the stage for you for the story in 2 Samuel chapter 23. David, the future anointed king of Israel, is thrust into the national spotlight when he killed the giant Goliath. That's 1 Samuel chapter 17. David was elevated to celebrity status and celebrated throughout the nation of Israel. The king, Saul, was consumed with jealousy and he threatened David's life and David is forced to flee from the court of Saul. In fact, he left Israel and actually hid with Israel's sworn enemies, the Philistines. And eventually, David had to feign insanity to escape from their clutches. Saul hears that David has left the Philistines and returns to Israel. And and Saul begins his pursuit of David in an attempt to take his life. David is forced to retreat to the hill country and caves outside of the stronghold of Adullam about 14 miles outside of his hometown of Bethlehem. So David is a man without a country, living in a cave, pursued by a king who desires his death, and he's also pinned in by his enemies, the Philistines. Now, David's army is growing. In fact, if you look back at 1 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 1, you can see as individuals discontented with the reign of Saul uh, begin to swell his ranks. And also, constant pillaging by the Philistines have pushed the nation of Israel to the brink. So David is a man in a desperate situation. He is the future king, but without a kingdom. He is a man without a country, and he's living in a cave. And that is where we pick him up in this story in 2 Samuel chapter 23. And and the text says this. 2 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 13. And three of the chief 30 went down and came to David in the harvest time unto the cave of Adullam. And the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephaim. And David was then in an hold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord. And he said, be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. 
Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things did these three mighty men. So back in verse 13, when it says that, that these individuals, they came to David in the harvest time. The harvest time in Israel, it is the hot time of the year and water would have been scarce as the dry season sets in. And so the, uh, when the rains come in the nation of Israel, these dry creek beds, they fill up with water and what was before just a trickle turns into a stream. And turns into rivers. And, and what is happening is during the harvest time, that water starts to dry up. And where once there was a stream, now there's just a trickle of muddy water. And water would have been difficult to find. It says as well that, that the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephaim. This was a strategic area that cut off communication from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. And so David was south of Bethlehem. He was in, uh, in the area of Adullam. And the Philistines have, have cut him off from communication to Jerusalem. So David is a man. He's unable to get additional reinforcements to help him both with Saul and with his enemies, the Philistines. In verse 14, it says that David was in the cave and the garrison of the Philistines was in Bethlehem. And so it seems as though the enemies of David, the Philistines, have, it seems like an attempt to taunt David and to lure him out of hiding. They are, they are personally insulting him by going and setting a garrison in his hometown. And so there's a foreign occupation in David's hometown. And this would have killed David, that his hometown is being occupied and there was nothing that he could do to help. And in verse 15, when David said, oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. I think that David is just, he's tired of drinking the brackish, dried up water in the Judean countryside. And so he is expressing here a wish to have a drink from the deep, cool cistern that is in his hometown of Bethlehem. I remember in, the, in my parents, in the town that my parents live, they have an awesome ice cream shop called Double D's. And uh, I mean, my, my family loves ice cream. I mean, we're collards and ice cream is, is one of the things that we do. <laughs> and so when, when my wife and I moved down here to Houston, we set on a quest to find a good ice cream shop. And we're still looking. And so we haven't found one that we're really, you know, that we're really sold on and we really love. And so whenever we go back to Illinois and whenever we go and visit my parents, we make it a point to go and get ice cream from Double D's. And occasionally when we're down here and we go and we get ice cream from another place, we'll look at each other and say, oh man, I can't wait until we go and we're able to have Double D's ice cream again. And I think that that's the mindset of David here. I mean, he's drinking inferior water, this brackish water from a dried up creek bed. And he says, oh, if only I could get a drink of water from the cistern, from the well that's in Bethlehem. So he just, he has a craving, he has a desire to drink cool, clear water from the hometown well. And we see that three of David's mighty men, they're unnamed here, but we see that they take his wish, literally. And it says they go and they break through the host of the Philistines. And I wonder what this looks like. 
So you have these three men and they go and they fight. And and do you have two men holding off this garrison of the Philistines while another one draws water? I mean, the biblical text, the biblical account here doesn't give us all the details, but you can almost picture it in your mind's eye. They go and they fight through the Philistines and you have one man quickly drawing water while the other two hold off the Philistines so that they can take David this water so that he so desperately craves. So these men actually, they traveled about 15 miles one way to go and fight the Philistines and they're able to draw the water out of the well. And then they trek the 15 miles back to present David with their gift. So they travel over 30 miles so that they can present David with this water. Now, David does an interesting thing. It says they took it and they brought it to David. This is the end of verse 16. It says, Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord. Why? These men risk their lives. They travel over 30 miles to bring David this water, and he takes it and he pours it out on the ground. Why? Why would he do that? Well, I think that this is a gesture that shows tremendous value. And David actually explains his thought process in verse 17. He says this, he says, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? So what David is doing here is David is equating this water with the blood or the lives of his men. He's saying, look, this water is equivalent to the value of the lives of my men. So for David to drink the water obtained at the risk of the lives of his men would have been to take their lives lightly. If they would have brought David this water and he says, oh, great, and he chugs it, he's saying that my needs and my wants and my desires are more important than your life. So David doesn't drink it, but instead he pours it out. And he doesn't just pour it out on the ground, but he pours it out before the Lord. He says, nevertheless, he would not drink it of, but poured it out unto the Lord. That's the end of verse 16. So by pouring it out before the Lord, I think that David is saying, I am not worthy of your lives. I am not worthy of this gift. And so he took what they had risked their lives to give him, and he offered it as a sacrifice unto the Lord. This is a gesture that shows incredible value. So the question is, is who cares, right? I mean, so David does this, it's an incredible sacrifice, but who cares, what's the point? Well, I believe that this is an incredible example of biblical servant leadership. Now, servant leadership has become a buzzword in in our culture today. If you go to any college campus, you'll hear about servant leadership. I I worked at a business where they told, where servant leaders, that was one of the core models, that was our, our leadership model was servant leadership. So it's really a buzzword in our culture today. But when I talk about servant leadership, I don't want to talk about a model or a theory, but I really want to look at a biblical understanding of what God's word says about servant leadership. So to differentiate it from the models and theories and what you're going to hear on a college campus, what is true biblical servant leadership? Well, I define biblical servant leadership very simply as an attitude of humility that demonstrates sacrificial service with God's glory as as its expressed purpose. It is an attitude of humility that is demonstrated in sacrificial service with God's glory as its expressed 
purpose. So first and foremost, it is an attitude. But it's an attitude that's followed by an action. And it's an action with an express purpose, the honor and glory of God. And I think we can see that manifested in our text. I mean, David demonstrates humility in this text. By choosing not to drink the water, he makes a conscious choice to elevate the lives of his men above his own personal needs and desires. So he demonstrates, he has that attitude of humility. But David also demonstrates sacrificial service. He takes the water and he pours it out onto the ground. Would David have enjoyed drinking that water? Absolutely. That's what he wanted. That was his desire. But he demonstrates sacrificial service by making the personal sacrifice to give that offering unto the Lord and to elevate the men that have faithfully served him. And I think finally we see that David glorifies God with his attitude and with his sacrificial service. He pours the water out before the Lord. And so as a result of David's servant leadership, God is glorified and honored. So we can see here that David takes each of these three elements, the attitude of humility, the sacrificial service, God's glory as his express purpose, and David demonstrates each of these qualities in this text. So what's the what's the take home? Right? So we've seen, we've, we've walked through the story. We've seen why it's important. Who cares? Right? But what's the take home? So how does this change our Monday to Friday, nine to five? Well, I could just tell you to go and, and be like David, but I think that that would be being a disservice to you and to the text. So David wasn't perfect. His servant leadership wasn't spot on all the time. David had very real struggles. He's a human. He was a human king with all the failures and struggles that came with that. I think the take home is that we serve a perfect king who demonstrated without flaw what biblical servant leadership looks like. And that perfect king is the Lord Jesus Christ. And in fact, if we look at John chapter 13, I think that this is one of the most incredible examples of servant leadership in all of scripture. In John chapter 13, Jesus has taken the disciples into the upper room and he begins to wash their feet. He says, if I then, in John chapter 13, verses 14 through 16, Christ says, if I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, ye ought also to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, Neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. So Christ gives us a perfect example of what servant leadership looks like. He washed his disciples' feet as an example. What what a reflection of humility and sacrificial service. Paul actually gives us another example of Christ's sacrificial servant leadership as well. We think, about, uh, we think about the example of Christ in Philippians chapter 2 and verses 1 through 11. Christ took an attitude of humility. That's verses 6 and 7. It says, Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be made equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. And in verse 8, it says, He took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. So Christ took on an attitude of humility. He engaged in sacrificial service. And what was the result? 
Well, God is glorified. In verses 9 through 11, it says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Remember that at its core, Christian servant leadership is an attitude of humility that demonstrates sacrificial service with God's glory as its expressed purpose. Now, if you go back to Philippians chapter 2 and you look at verses 3 through 5, this is our call. And Paul tells us, I, I beseech you, he says, I, in, in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. In verse 5, he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. If Christ Jesus is the model of biblical servant leadership, then you and I are called to be biblical servant leaders as well. I believe that scripture demonstrates that every follower of Christ should be a servant leader. If you are a Christian, you are called to be a servant leader. You are called to demonstrate that attitude of humility that demonstrates sacrificial service with God's glory as its expressed purpose. Now, what's the result? Well, that's a good question. If you look down at Philippians chapter 2 and if you look at verse 17, Paul encourages the Philippian believers to continue growing in their faith so that his labor will remain and bear spiritual fruit. Paul is literally pouring himself into their lives as a drink offering. I think this harkens back to, to 2 Samuel chapter 23, when David pours that drink as an offering onto the ground before the Lord. And Paul is saying, I am pouring myself out as a drink offering for you. So Paul, through the investment of his life, is making that sacrificial service. He is demonstrating his servant leadership by pouring himself out for the growth and the spiritual maturity and the discipleship of others. And the result is that believers are growing and maturing in Christ's likeness and God is glorified. So in the Old Testament, David is this incredible picture of servant leadership. He acknowledges that he is not worthy of the lives of his men and offers their gift unto the Lord. In the New Testament, Paul calls us to servant leadership to model our Lord. If we are willing to humble ourselves and to pour our lives into others as an offering unto the Lord, we too can enhance the glory of God through our attitude of humility that results in sacrificial service to others. So I'll leave you today with one question. Will you be the servant leader that God has called you to be this week? May God help us to be servant leaders for his honor and for his glory. Thank you again for joining us on this first episode of the Pursuit of Christ podcast. I hope it has been a blessing to you and I'm looking forward to joining you again next week. May God bless.